human spirit is so resilient and so so bounce worthy, I think, that people are so much stronger than they give themselves credit for. You know, they goodness, that was beautiful. We can end the show right now. I think that's That's not though. Jennifer. Yes, Michael. Second generation funeral director. Your mom was a nurse. You said that you've had some interesting stories around the dinner table. Give us one of those crazy stories that you had from growing up. Give us something a little bit odd, a little bizarre that our funeral directors would like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For Thanksgiving, as long as I can remember, it was a tradition. Uh, Let me back up a little bit. My brother He's not in the industry. He sells cars. He was a roofer and he sells cars. He wants nothing to do to, to do with this. And he's um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he he was he I'd like to say he was the smart one of the family, but don't tell him I said that. He, uh, <laughs> we it was tradition every year that the carving of the turkey would be basically an autopsy of the turkey. Um, <laughs> complete with, you know, linear marks and things like that. And, and it got, it got to the point after I had graduated mortuary school and I had just become licensed that my mom finally said, that is, that is enough. That is my brother would leave the room. Um, dad and I would roll, we'd be laughing so hard. We were making up words and my mom being a very strict nurse was very like these do not even exist. These landmarks do not even exist. <laughs> the classic mortician yeah. move. You just so, so, and that was, you know, fine scalpel, tongue, sponge, the whole nine yards. And so that was, that's one of my greatest memories uh, growing up. And I've still tried to recreate that to this day. And it doesn't, it falls flat every single time. So <laughs> who got, uh, who got to hypo the turkey with the gravy? Oh, it was a battle between dad and I. Uh, <laughs> Nobody ever wanted to touch the gizzard, so Dad and I would, you know, hunker down with that and see what we could do and brine that and inject and <laughs> suturing up things just unnecessarily with different stitches and and the turkey oh, here just wow. the intradermal stitch and <laughs> that is too freaking funny. Yeah, it was we great. We never did that. We never did that. No, that is crazy. It's it's always a big hit. I highly recommend trying it. I mean. Yeah, most of most of my extended family want absolutely zero involvement or want to know anything what happens behind the scenes. Exactly right. So it, it would it would be a gruesome affair for my family. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's it's always a good time, um, especially if you have guests over. They don't really quite know what to make of it. So, <laughs> well, you really are a weird family. That's nice. So I have a I have a funny story. Um, this past Thanksgiving we were going to do a video with a turkey and we had a couple of different ideas that we were spitballing and oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm just hoping not some people aren't listening to this. Um, (laughs) So we're like, okay, maybe we'll like pretend to embalm the turkey. Maybe we'll do some stitches on the turkey. And we just decided it was just too vulgar like it was too much too gruesome to be putting out on the internet which is true it, it's okay. true we, we 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 had great you know we were doing great things great judgment by connor and myself my brother yeah like way to go us for not doing that i put the turkey in a garbage bag okay 
I left it in the prep room and I forgot that I left it in the prep room. Oh, you didn't even treat it. it. How crazy. I treated it with nothing. (laughs) I left it in the prep room. I left, I was off for Thanksgiving weekend, which was baffling that I was off. That's insane. Maybe, maybe, no, you know what? I was out of town. Uh, Now that I think about it, I had to have been because I'm never, I'm never off. (laughs) And I come back and then someone's like, who played this sick freaking joke on us that left oh, a turkey? And I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? And I was just like, it was me. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> it's my decomp turkey. I I left it in there. It was an accident. It wasn't on purpose. Oh, that's vile. Did it get like tissue gas? I don't know what happened. I went <laughs> you didn't even look. Dragged it up. It's gone. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> amazing amazing All right, Jennifer so uh you're from Michigan Kalamazoo Detroit area yep. tell us about your family um tell us about how you got into the funeral industry um and a little bit about you being a funeral director absolutely um so I was raised in a funeral home um from my formidable years from when I was three to eleven um Fun. so tons of memories so one of the greatest memories I also have is when microwaves were first invented, showing my age here. Um, <laughs> they, um, Dad had left me alone. He was doing a big service for one of the Oldsmobile family. And we were out of land. Ooh, so it was cool. a huge service. And um, I decided to microwave myself a pizza. And I set the entire microwave on fire and cleared out the funeral no. home into the main road. Um, with black smoke. And my dad was a very large man who did not exercise and ran up those stairs. And he hit that organ on the way up the stairs. And I was, I think I must've been five. Oh, And all I could remember was like to stop, drop and roll. And so through the smoke, dad's like bellering and the funerals outside and um, many years oh later, <laughs> I had, um, they had come back again. I was probably 11 this time, but right before we had moved out and they asked if they could see the girl who made dad's funeral quite memorable. Yeah. So, so I got to go downstairs and very bashfully to my father's chagrin, uh, mentioned that that was me that set the funeral home on fire. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk logistics about that because I'm sure your dad is maybe <laughs> later on. How bad did that line get back? Because I'm sure it had to have been a big wake. It was huge. Sure. It was so, like, huge. What happened after? Like, how did it all get resolved? You know, I think that my my father was like the king of like the smooth talk, and he, you know, you can mess up a lot of things, John. As long as you're patting backs and you're saying nice words and you talk real fast, people will be very forgiving. And there's always like, Oh, I've got a family of my own. I totally understand how crazy yours is, you Uh know? Um, and I think that he just in his very calm, special way could smooth almost anything over. And I think it was probably my idiot child upstairs. Every good funeral (laughs) needs a story, you know? Um, (laughs) and you gave him one and I gave him one. So like logistically, I, I, I was pretty much banished to my room after that. Um, so I don't know how he gently guided them back into their seats to take place in a burned up pizza funeral home. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm sure it's better than some smells that have come out it's of there. It's true. So. Yeah, if that's the worst one that came out of there, I think we're fine. Um, no so long story longer, I uh, <laughs> got out of, we moved out of the funeral home and moved back to Kalamazoo, where I am from. And um, I did not want to do this. I went to cosmetology school. Um, I was a bartender, still bartend in my spare time occasionally um, because people like to come see me there. So it's always yeah. a nice change of pace. And then they give me money. So did, your, did your dad, so he you, he started in Kalamazoo, worked at a funeral home in Kalamazoo, yeah. is that right? Yes, correct. And went to Detroit and did, did he you- He was in Lansing. Lansing. Yep, in Lansing. I was born in Kalamazoo. Oh, Lansing, okay. Yep, and then- um, that funeral home sold. And okay. so we moved back to Kalamazoo where dad worked for his original funeral home, which is Got where it. I ended up. So went to cosmetology school, uh, bartending, and I went to my high school reunion. And one of the girls came up to me and she said, your dad um, is really great at what he does. And I went, what does dad do that's so amazing? Yeah. And she had lost both of her grandparents within a fairly short period of time. And her mother was so distraught, she couldn't make the arrangements. So my dad remembered her from, I went to a very small private high school. Um, and Lisa had said, oops, sorry, Lise. Anyway, thanks for the career bump. Um, she had said your dad was amazing and remembered her from high school and was able to work with her to make those arrangements. And I went home that night and I said, dad, what do you what do you do? I think I want to be a funeral director. And he went, are you stupid? Like, why? <laughs> what? <laughs> did you ever want to eat a hot meal? There's no weekends. There's no holidays. There's a, did you want a full night's sleep? That's crazy. Don't you, did you not pay attention your <laughs> entire life? <laughs> and within the next day, we stayed up till like four in the morning. And the next day I had finished up um, registering for my prereqs and signed myself up for an apprenticeship. Nice. So, and the rest is history. Here we are. Isn't it funny that, that we get drawn to it? Um, I feel like there's so, so many uh, people that are funeral directors that they have funeral director parents or something. Yeah. I guess I, you see that in like a lot of other industries too. I don't think it's just us, like teachers and sure. nurses and things Truck like that. drivers. And yeah. you think if, if your parents love what they do, I think right. that it's like, no matter what they do, I don't know that. any different. You just learn to love your career and people yeah. look their entire lives to have passion for what they do. And yeah. I feel so lucky that it was like something that I wanted, not something that was right. like forced down my throat. Like you have to, you don't ever tell me I have to do something, you know, that doesn't go well. Right. You'll resist it more than yeah, anything else. For sure. And I was in the same boat. My yeah. dad said the same thing. He's like, don't do it. You know, <laughs> as simple as that, don't do it. <laughs> and, uh, and then I was like, you fought just like you. And it was like, um, people do are searching, I feel. Oh, for sure. Their whole life. And they, they can't find it, can't find it. But once you do find something, if you see it growing up, like if you're one of your parents, like yeah. found what they are meant to do, it's just... It, Maybe it makes it easier on you if if you share kind of the same temperament or whatever. And I think like those, like we were saying, the like nurses or teachers or funeral directors, like people that have a lot of compassion and compassionate jobs, like those all kind of go hand in hand. So maybe there is something to that. Who knows? Maybe. I think, I think that there's a lot to that. I think, you know, we always make fun of the people that are like, 
just want to help people like right because yeah, you yeah. really is that really what you're doing yeah. and I, I decided a long time ago that I didn't really want to help people that was kind of a by a byproduct but I wanted right. to be able to make a difference yeah I think that was like my um, big so people are like why did you do this and I was like well <laughs> aside from the no money no sleep no food no <laughs> <laughs> but I just people come up to you in the grocery store and say Hey, you buried my mom six years ago and you moved the pink flowers to the other side of the little stuff, little things that are so trivial that make no difference to me. But somebody will stop me in the supermarket to say you did this is like the that's my paycheck, right? That's our paycheck. It's everything. It's everything. And to say you made this easier, like at the end of the, I'll take hugs all day long. I love hugs. I love cookies. I love things, but you made this easier is like, that's how you make a funeral director cry. Right. It makes our time well worth spending on what we're doing. And, um, it's, it's just a tough feeling to actually describe to someone that doesn't ever get to experience it. And it's tough to even explain to people that are perspective or are interested in this industry until you actually, actually get it. Then it's like, oh, okay. And whenever you kind of lose your way, like many of us do, you kind of are like, I I hate, I hate what I'm doing. But then if you have that time when like a service just goes so well and the family's like thanking you and it's like, oh, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm doing this. This is why. And then you get, you know, and it balances those moments of the really good family balance out the other right five that we don't we 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 pretend that they don't exist right like we close the file and we like shut the file and the file's gone and then we have to leaf through the file in a year and go oh i remember oh Oh, i remember (laughs) that we don't want to do that but then you see the family's names that were remarkable or that took the time out of their own grieving to send you a thank you note like oh yeah who who does that who remembers I was always told funeral directors should be on non-memorable, right? You should be a ficus. My dad always said, just be the ficus in the room. Don't, don't just absorb and don't use unnecessary words that that one didn't stick to, (laughs) but always, you know, just be there, be seen, not heard, just do you. And, but to know that people like, are gracious enough to say thank you for what you've done. Like, I'm just getting rid of your dead people because you don't know what to do with them, right? Like, (laughs) you're paying us a lot of money to do that for you with Uh, some sort of compassion. But those are remarkable people. The human spirit is so resilient and so so bounce-worthy, I think, that people are so much stronger than they give themselves credit for. You know, they- Goodness, that was beautiful. We can end the show right now. I think that's well, it's not it. though. <laughs> wow, that was really good, man. That hits on so many levels. Thank you. Um, just like like your dad said, being the if ficus. Well, yeah, just be a ficus. That? Yeah, what is that? So a ficus is a plant, right? It's like a tree, right? Well, there was a plastic one when I was an apprentice, and I did a year apprenticeship. So I did my apprenticeship before I went to mortuary school. Um, Got it. So when I went to Washington, which is and, how they all should be, which oh, is how it should have been, because us Michigan kids at the same table, we were like, boom, we're done. All six of us, fifteen right. minutes. And then those Illinois kids were like, and the Illinois Ooh. kids were like, Michigan kids, can you come help us? Right, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, and I feel so blessed, you know, but for six months, dad was like, you're in arrangements with me. He's like, you're not to say a word. You don't know anything on what you're doing. So be that ficus, sit there, don't move, take notes and it will debrief. But if you ask a question, like you're in purgatory a lot longer, right? So the more questions you ask, the more time you're in arrangements. So don't do that. It's like a bathroom. Yeah. Nobody wants to be here. Get them in, get them out. Do what you need to do. Get them in, get them out. Be the ficus. And you'll get there. You know, because right. when you're new, you want to know everything immediately right now. You have to. And you have to know everything. And once you're out of school, then everything is exactly by the textbook, which is nothing. <laughs> like, they don't teach you how to MacGyver anything in school. Not an right? Ounce. No. Give me a pair of pantyhose and a toilet paper tube and a gold makeup brush from 1974 and watch me go. Right? <laughs> but they don't teach you that. So you have to learn. You have to listen in order to learn. And that was my biggest thing was listen. Learn how to listen. You're so wise. <laughs> but you are. You are. And I, I think I think that it's just a special thing to say because you don't it's not about you. And that's why I like that that saying about the ficus because it's not about you. No. Um, and it's about them. And it's about doing what you can to help facilitate everything. So when you're hounding them or doing, you just like sit back, listen, relax, and learn. They'll give you everything they need. It's just right. being open to hearing it. And it does take so much time to learn. And I think all of us, I, myself, absolutely included a hundred percent. You want to learn like everything right away. And it's like, that is like so much speed and so much craziness. It's like, slow it down. Yeah. Like yeah. you have to, in order to actually be able to be successful in any job, I think you've got to just slow your roll. You have to. Because that is how you're going to be able to pick up the ways to do things in your fashion whether that's in arrangements, on funerals, in the prep room, whatever mm -hmm. it is, you can pick up these little things from everywhere. But if you're rushing to get to know everything, you're going to learn nothing because you're going to be you're just nothing. forcing. You're going to force it. And then that's going to come across to your families or in whatever way it's going to come across, not in the appropriate way. And I am absolutely a culprit of that. And I learned over time, it's like, you got to pay your dues. And as much as that like sucks, because oh, our, <laughs> yeah, our culture now is like we need everything immediately on demand now yes that that's just not the way it goes yes and that sucks because you have to kind of relearn that especially for people that are younger than us too i think it's even more so prevalent because they're even more used to like the on-demand stuff and it's oh, like yeah. you gotta you, unfortunately you gotta put in the time but end of the day it's gonna pay off and all those dots are going to connect and they're all going to relate to each other. And then you're going to become the best possible version of yourself, funeral director. So that's where I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down like immensely. So I, I appreciate it. Thank you. you. It it's so good. It's thanks. It's, it's a crazy thing that I've had to learn too, is that I had a manager during uh, the pandemic and it was just two of us running three funeral homes. And we did everything. We were 90 to 110 hours a week. Just the two of us. It was insane. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. God bless you, Jillian. Um, so oh, she, yeah, she's out there. And um, she was remarkable. And she laid down this rule that, you know, because we so wanted to help everybody 
immediately and they're just, it's flooding you, you guys yeah. right it's flooding and yeah. she said i'm giving them a 24-hour cool-off period i'm not seeing these families via zoom today or when they were able to i'm not having them come in today because people were grasping they were drowning and they were just wanted to get things done do you have what are you looking for i don't know i don't know do you have that but i don't have this i don't have this i don't have a social security number i don't even know so we gave them a 24-hour cool-down period. We talked to them what they needed. We'd set the appointment for the next day. And in that time, I cannot tell you how many families said to us, we really thought we wanted to get things done immediately, but we needed that time and that reflection to study our thoughts. And to I hold that true to this day. It drives my coworkers nuts. I know it does. But if I'm meeting a family, I'll talk to them on the phone for half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour even, uh-huh. send them an email and everything that they need. But I'll meet with the family the next day and they have a much more broad sense of what they're looking for. And it's not a scramble and I'm not rushing them because I'm not back to back to back appointments and they're not yeah. rushed. They know they've thought this through. They put together the obituary for me. Cause we all know, you know, the obituary is like the, uh, right. Leaving the room. Uncle Ted <laughs> and oh my gosh. And yeah. So, but that's something that I've like seriously incorporated was truly oh. just to slow it down. The family, yeah. I, can, I can, I can rush you a funeral. I can, we all can, right? We can turn and burn as fast as we, no pun, as fast as we need to. No doubt. But like at the end of the day, we're working on a schedule that works for the family or the church or the cemetery or things like that. Everything else will fall in line, but where is our family comfortable? Are they, we get one shot to do this. Did we rush it for the family to make them think that they were going to get over their grief faster? Like, is that what we do? Yeah. It doesn't work that way. You're still grieving oh. after that that's service smart. is done. Man, that's good. It's just really making me think like that. That is such a cool philosophy for the family. My, of course, my initial question is, well, what about the prep of the body? You know, like what happens in that circumstance? So, like, what do you do with that? So what if they're unsure? I guess you just keep it in refrigeration and you just hope for the- Refrigeration. We're lucky enough to have refrigeration. Michigan's got a, you know, if it's yeah. not 48 hours and we're involving anyway. But yeah. typically, I mean, we've got enough refrigeration. Um, yeah. Most of our families, I would say within, within the first 10 minutes, they, mm, let's not say that. Within the first half hour, they know if they want to bury or cremate. So, and then it's just asking the questions prior to that disposition, prior to the cremation, are we going to be seeing Uncle Bob? Is that that what we're going to do? Do I have permission to go ahead and begin the embalming procedure um, with that? And, you know, so, and and if not, and if that's a family decision, you can tell if people are hemming and hawing, you know, um, right. Then, then we'll hold off. I'd I'd rather not wait three weeks. So you would do that on the initial phone call? On my initial phone call, yeah. Okay. I walk them through everything and I get those prep instructions or no, this is just going to be a memorial service or, yeah, you know, he's going to be cremated, but can we see him first? So I know that we're going to do a min prep and, right. and things like that. So mm. That's really cool and something that I've never heard of anyone doing before, but it makes sense because they are go- like sometimes, like for example, this week, my dad and I went on a removal at this nursing home, ton of family there. And they're like, we're going to, we're going to come on in, you know, in a, in an hour or whatever it yeah, was. We're following you. 
they were like pretty much i mean you might as well have gone in procession <laughs> like, like and it just makes me think like they're in a little bit of a clouded state of mind and it's not like it's going to magically clear up in 24 hours no. or not but you're right sometimes if you take a step back let it sit for a minute it helps you to decide okay this is the way we want to go what direction that is an interesting like i i really do like that it's don't get me wrong i understand, I understand right? why you're i understand why you're your coworkers would hate it. Oh, they like, hate I, it. It drives them nuts. But this is my appointment. This is my family. I said it yeah. for for me. I was also told if you can't make the appointment, don't set the appointment. Right? Yeah. So don't get me wrong. We still take walk-ins. I can still do a walk-in. Absolutely. Yeah. I can still, if you are adamant, if you are following me from the nursing home, I will meet with you. I will meet yeah. with you. But I do tell my families, it's okay not to have all the answers right now. Because they don't. They yeah. don't. So in, in certain circumstances, if I'm setting my appointments and I know what my caseload is and I know what my families are looking for, I'll, I'll work within that to make them a little bit more comfortable. Does it always work out that way? No. Sometimes I'll do right. three arrangements back to back to back and nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. And they go way over, they go way under, or sometimes they have to come back the next day, you know, because. Right. So. It's, I, I think it is. It's about being flexible. Nothing in funeral is rigid. Yeah. And I, it, hopefully the bodies, I mean, I think. <laughs> that's true. I never get to throw out funeral jokes because they're so tacky. Oh, bring them. <laughs> bring them. They're my favorite. It, that's why I get up every day is to hear them. But I, I feel like <laughs> since COVID too, like we've really had you adjust where, yeah. what funeral stands for versus what the family is asking of what funeral should stand for. They're, they're making the rules now, right? We, right. we just say, you want a dove release and four jugglers? I'm going to get you a dove release and four jugglers. <laughs> That's fine. You know? Um, but they're calling the shots right now. I just, I guide you. I I'm guiding you guys yeah. plan what's working for you right now. It's no longer two to four, six to eight, three nights of visitation, going to mass and then going to the lunch and then going to the cemetery. Like we don't, that's not, that's not there anymore. Right. Mm, that's really very good. Very good stuff. Because we, we have, we do provide so much value Yeah. and we have to continue to do that because we're dealing with more educated people now. So they understand absolutely that they have options. And it's also our job to give them those options and say, these are your different opportunities. This is what you can do. And that's where they're going to start to see the value yes. is when they understand that, wow, this, this funeral home is, they're legitimately here for me to help me in this situation. Exactly. Right. And that's how we can continue to establish and kind of reestablish because it maybe has gotten lost over time how much value that we create and we bring to the table because we are doing something yes. that is very important and it's a final farewell. It's a memory. It's extremely important for 99% of families that come in the door. So we have to treat, continue to treat it like that and um, keep, keep doing these little things. Like if that works for you, yeah. like that sounds odd. Like I'm intrigued by that and I'm like tempted to, to try it, you know, it's, it's all about the logistics as my mind goes crazy, yeah, but, it is. but it is like, that is a way to show that you care. It's like, I want to give you the time 
collect your thoughts, put them together. I'm going to help facilitate this in any way I can. It, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I think it's really, if that's, if that works for you, I think that would work for some people. So, I mean, I'm curious if anyone gives it a try, let, let me know. Oh, I'd love to hear, I'd love, love to hear how much their coworkers hate them also, because <laughs> 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 it's, um, it really, it, it really is beneficial, but I do a lot of phone calls to the church too, you know, in that okay. time and I'm getting the schedules ready and what's your plan A, what's your plan B. Right. So I'm taking that time that I would be spending that hour in arrangements that I'm spending on the phone with them. So right. it, it does help. And when they come in, they're already at ease because they know my voice and they know, yeah. you know, so they're, they're comfortable with that. It's, um, I think it's such a, we hear so much about memorialization and I, I, I feel like so strongly that memorialization is so, it's such a personal thing that it's no longer like markers and monuments. That's not, it is, but memorialization is, both my parents are cremated, you know, is, does that mean that mom's in my necklace and dad's in my bracelet and I've got a cat on my keychain? Yeah. That's my memorialization. Because right. that's what worked for me, you know? Yeah. And so what what am I doing trying to push somebody to bury when they don't, that's not, we're a transient society, right? My yeah. dad and mom go with me everywhere. Like yeah. I move, they go. Like that's how I keep it. It's not for everybody, right? You don't want to dust you off yeah. the mantle every now and then or keep you in the closet. But yeah. it's. I think it's memorialization in whatever form it is, is, that's what we're about. That's what's important is recognizing that there has been a life and there's been a loss. Like, and that yes. just, neither of those go away. Right. It, they don't. And it's, it's our job to be understanding and compassionate of yeah. what that means to them. For so sure. whatever, Absolutely. Right. That's, that's all that matters. That is end of the day. That's what our biggest job is, is understanding their needs and, going out and taking care of them for them yeah. because they're going through a lot. As we talked about earlier, that's like why Jennifer, you give them like the 24 hours because they're going through a lot and it's going to continue to be a lot. As you said, someone doesn't just stop grieving, you know, the second you make arrangements or after the funeral, it continues to happen. So in that highest peak of the most challenging distorted mindset, that's what we are here to do is to make their life easier and to help create a last memory that's going to be the one for them and that specific person or that specific family. Exactly right. Exactly. That's exactly, that's perfect. That's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Oop, that's a death call here. Hold on just a second. All right. I think the students got it. I'm sorry about that. You know, we've been seeing a lot more business come in ever since we started mortuary marketing. And I got to tell you, all the few homes we work with are, they're saying the same thing. So what do we do? We run ads on Google and other similar sites that get directed at families that need a funeral home in your area. It then brings them to a page that we've designed for you that gets the family to call you to inquire for your services. It's really increased our volume big time. It's working for my funeral home and I think most parlors could really benefit from its uses. I put a bunch of information in the podcast description. Go check it out. I'm always happy to help talk with you and answer any questions you might have. All right, let's get back to our morbid discussion. So tell us about, um, we, we went like all around there. We that everywhere. Was awesome. Tell us some more about like the beginning of your career um, and kind of where you're at now yeah. and um, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? 
So <laughs> how much time do you have, man? Um, so my beginning of my career didn't start off too terribly well. My mom had, my mom died um, right after I became licensed Ugh. and it got real tricky. Um, it was not hard. unexpected. It was just not, we weren't quite ready. It was, ready. it was kind yeah. of a, she was diabetic and yeah. It was it was rather traumatic. She died at home, um, unfortunately, after oh, a bad dialysis treatment. So there was like Sorry. extinguination, if I may use that word for the first time in, you know, 18 years. Yeah. So um, my dad found her at home and um, I was actually in Chicago for the weekend. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. <laughs> and uh, dad said, mom, mom's gone. And so I made my way back home and he said, um, it was only two and a half hours, you know, two hours. And he said, okay, right. Easy peasy, right up the road, nine and four straight. We go and got in and it was early. It was like six 30 in the morning. So I was there around nine and dad said, okay, I'm going to go to the office. And I went, are you serious? Are you kidding me? And he's like, yeah, just wait for X, Y, Z. And, and I had known them cause I worked with them. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, wait for them at the funeral home and they'll bring mom in. Mm-hmm. And I said, what are you going to do? And he goes, I got families to take care of. And I went, but you have your own family to take care yes. of. Like, what are we going to do? And he's like, well, mom will be at the funeral home in an hour and, you know, we'll sit down and we'll make arrangements oh, later. It, it, which is cr- like, looking back is so insane to me. Right. And so I walk into the funeral home, yeah. not dad didn't give us 24 hours to figure out what we we're going to do with mom. No. So in my brother, God bless him, the car salesman made the arrangements. Cause dad and I, you would have thought we never set foot in a funeral home. Like, meh. Oh, so, right. Me so like, it took a little time oh. off. I know it's crazy. Went off without a hitch. I I'm sure. didn't do anything for mom. I decided to be the daughter, yeah. which I'm, I'm very glad. I'm, pleased with. Yeah. I, I don't regret that decision that one. Sometimes bit. it's good to, to play that role. Um, to. you know, thankfully I haven't had to be in that situation too, too many times, yeah. but I feel like I haven't played the role of that. And I guess I never, I, I would never regret playing the funeral director or mortician role, but yeah. it's sometimes like, Hey, you're going through grief too. Like it's not, it's not just your job like you're going through stuff so in the wires cross weirdly like you can't turn off work and it's just and they mix and they blow off at the wrong time it's so strange it's a weird position to be in yeah um after mom died i ended up moving i went through a lousy divorce also you know because when it rains it yeah rains (laughs) so i moved to washington dc um, for a change in attitude, change in latitude, and uh, picked back up, uh, lived with an amazing group of people there um, for about three years, and picked back up in funeral um, right again. It transferred my license from Michigan to Virginia, Maryland, D.C., Got it. and was lucky enough to work with Arlington five times a week for almost three years, Ooh. which was, right, which is like the most- The pinnacle. <laughs> right truly it is just like it's such a gift right it's like the mecca for funeral yeah, directors yeah. right so i feel really lucky to have been part of all that pomp and circumstance and i was able to when my uncle died i was able to get him into arlington cool. um, 
which was super cool that I could be the funeral director niece that like got my uncle into Arlington. Yeah. Like that was really amazing. Um, and then I moved back to Michigan about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and haven't, it's, it's just kept going. It's just been funeral, funeral, funeral. And, um, I feel so lucky right now to be at a place in my career where I'm not in the prep room much. I think it's been about six months since I embalmed. When I started off, I was the only female that they had ever had, and they didn't know what to do with me <laughs> um, ever. So they just stuck me in the prep room. And it was about 1,200 calls a year. So, yeah, with a very – about a 70% burial wow. rate. Very wow. traditional. So I was – you couldn't have pried me out of that prep room. Okay. Like, that's all I did. Well, they didn't know what to do with a funeral – a female in yeah. a funeral, right? So just keep prepping, just keep it's prepping. It's funny how different it is now. <laughs> it's so different, right? Yeah. Um, my graduating class was the first time it tipped at 51% female. Right. Yeah. Which is so I think cool. It's consistent now too. Oh, it's like way yeah. high now. Yeah. It's um, so it's just been, I don't work in the prep room too terribly much anymore. My focus is mostly on the families. Um, yeah. I do a lot with training. So they send me all over the United States. I feel very lucky oh. um, for new acquisitions and things like that. So in Ohio and I've been to Kentucky. I've been to Indiana, Illinois. Oh my gosh. Go um, you. Yeah. They, Let's can, go. Yep, they put me all over the state to fill in. Um, I GM'd for pregnancy leaves. I've on COVID. I was a resident for six weeks, lived in a hotel uh, for six wow. weeks. And yeah, I'm super, I hate to say, <laughs> I hate to say blessed because it's so funny. Right. Um, but I'm super lucky yeah. to be doing I, I don't stay in one place for too terribly long. And I think that's from my own boss's decision right. so that they don't have to hear me too terribly much, but they do. Um, they've been very, very good to me. They, they give me a lot. Um, it's not without blood, sweat and tears, sure. you know? Um, but the families right now I find are so interesting to me is um, the psychology and sociology aspect of wow. it is to see, you know, can I avoid any sort of issue is like the new game to play. Um, And and then having the apprentices underneath of us too, is to like watch them be so excited because they're not tired yet. And like, (laughs) like, and they're still well fed and they're, they're not eating cookies all the time because we eat a lot of cookies. You know, we we eat a lot of cookies, right? Right. Um, And to see like how, much they just want to be out there and right. make the difference or it's so awesome to see like new minds and to watch them figure out things that I'm like, I never thought about that. You know, that's why I think it's so freaking important to have young people in your funeral. Oh, by far. It is imperative. And that's not it, how it was. Ever. Like they didn't want, oh, no, no one wanted young people. No, we didn't know anything. You need that energy. You need those new ideas. You need all that good stuff. Um, Because that's how you can propel forward in my, in my estimation. It's a big part of it. Obviously you want to keep your great traditions and everything else you have going, all all that, but you're going to get a lot of, you're going to get an uplift from having some young people. So that's a shout out to all of our, our young people getting involved. Keep it up. Keep getting excited. You guys, we need your energy. Yeah, we need you. (laughs) So I, can go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so I just need you so that you can take call so I don't have to. 
but that's that's where we're at. That's it's awesome. um, it's Good been a journey. Um, and I I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. I'd love to imagine you know doing everything else with my life, but at the end of the day, like this is where I'm comfortable. This is my this is my passion. This is my life. Yeah. And that's, that's beautiful that you were able to find that. That's, you know, very, very rare, I think. And I think a lot of us are lucky that, that we are able to find it in what we're doing because all of the people I've gotten to talk to so many, so many great people. And I I would say a lot of people are like, this is my calling. This is where I needed to be. This is what I needed to do. And um, I think that's a rare, rare thing to find. People are jumping from career to career. Oh, by far. Um, it seems, you know, just based on my friends and, you know, yeah. just hearing other people talk about it. Um, so it's it's really cool that I think we have something special um, if you're able to to handle it and to do it. If you can sustain it, right? Because yeah, like- That's the hardest part. Like the burnout is the real thing and yeah. mental health is like a real thing. Legit. And like circum navigating everybody else's like drama because you asked about my story, right? One of my favorite stories is uh, is being a bartender. I was in a lot of bar fights. Sure. Um, (laughs) You seem like you're scrappy, so I think you'd be fine. (laughs) A little scrappy. Um, But I was working a funeral and um, a pregnant woman came and she was a relation to the deceased. um, And she had an issue with another relation to the deceased. Uh. And, um, there were, there were some words and I stepped in the middle to break and I took a shiner. I got, she clocked me, she clocked me good to the point where there was like, I had a big old black eye and the police were called and there was a, it was a whole issue. So what did she look like? (laughs) Nothing because I, the police like finally got to her. She's She's lucky. And she got really lucky and she was just so young and so pregnant. And I just, oh, I about the pregnancy. <laughs> I just, you know, you just take it like a champ sometimes and take everybody takes a story, right? So, so there, I mean, but I've been in the middle of more fights in a funeral home than I've been in a bar, like, which is crazy, right? So Not people are like, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? And I'm like, families. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Every day. <laughs> By far, like Tuesday, Tuesday morning was like the craziest thing I've ever seen, right? Yeah. So it just, it, it all depends. You know, in, every funeral director's got their story of their casket jumpers. And, sure. and everybody's got like the dramatic, you know, the whaler or, you know, the girl that throws up in the front of the chapel or in the plant. We don't have carpet tiles here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everybody's got, everybody's got these stories and you just kind of the brother who put his sister's head through the pocket door during arrangements or all hypothetical, of course. So (laughs) it's, you just, you hear all these things, but I think like right now is me navigating like family issues is sort of a challenge for me. And that's kind of, if I can like throw out my like funeral director voice and just kind of calm everything down for just a few minutes, yeah. then like I've done it. Right. Yeah. Or if, if, if there's legal issues, like give me those legal issues. Let's, let's figure out what we're doing here in order to make everybody comfortable. 
So that's kind of like putting my puzzle together lately. Yeah, that's, so. I mean, that's uh, a good thing to, to kind of hang your hat on. And it yeah. also is a challenge too. So you can, you're such a challenge. Continuously challenge yourself. You're going to find yourself in new situations all the time. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. Like you think you've seen everything and then there's going to be a Oh, no way, man. No. Do you, did you, I mean, how often do you hear personally to, oh, it must be so quiet at the funeral home. It must be such a nice, quiet job, right? Like, in, uh, I can't no. like stare at people long enough because just one day, what just come one day and like listen to the phone ring for five minutes or listen to the flower delivery or the fax machine or the typewriter because we still have typewriters, right? We're like the last of the oh industries God. to ever have typewriters. <laughs> Right. So like just lit, but people say, oh, it must be so relaxing. And I'm like, that's why I do this. Right. And I'm certain that's probably like, we don't ever plan for this, but it's never the same day. We're not in the, we're not in the cubicle. And if we are, then we're at church or we're at the cemetery or we're in the prep room. It's never the same thing. I'm, we're always moving. Right. And for like, our personalities i'm i'm assuming probably but that's like kind of where we need to be right is like you can't be placed in one place for too long before you get stir crazy right put me in the prep room for three days and i'm going to be begging you to go to church like put me at church for a week and i'm like no more church yeah i'm done right so but i think we get to fluctuate and move so much that people are like what's your day look like and i'm like i don't know <laughs> the only reason they think it's quiet every day is because they think we're dealing with they know we're dealing with dead people and they're quiet. That's the only reason they think it's quiet. <laughs> I it's and I have to tell everybody too that that's yeah, dead people are, you know, they're quiet and all, but they come with at least 50 live people that have like very strong opinions about what the dead people should be doing. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jennifer, this has been so much fun. Um, Thank you so much. I've loved your insight. You have a very, very great way of looking at things. And I hope a lot of people can take a lot out of it because I know I have. So I appreciate you taking the time and um, hopefully you keep it, keep it rocking. uh, You bounce around all these funeral homes and teaching more people. because um, I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot um, today. So thanks Jennifer for taking the time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Anytime. Let's keep in touch. Absolutely.